to another episode of the Sporting Post. And said, mate, we've got to crack a line up for everyone. 100%, mate. We uh, made a point at the start of the year when we were planning out all the things we want to do about uh, informing and helping out our uh, our fellow uni colleagues and like getting that information out that, that can help them. And, geez, I reckon we've nailed it with the guests this week. I think we've got one that can really help a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so his name is Christian Leyland. Um, he's the Chief of Staff at the Football Sack. Some journalism students may already be acquainted with the football stack. I know, Seb, you, you've done some work with them over the past few months, um, and he's got an amazing story to tell. And, and it's an amazing organisation that they're running down there, mate. Yeah, 100%. So um, I saw when Julie Tarbe put out the email last year, I thought it might as well give it a go. Um, and he pretty much runs an internship program for a bunch of um, third, fourth-year students about, well, really, they just get assigned a club. We go to home games, right? articles during the week and yeah it's a good system and Chris is at the head of it pretty much the side of the whole thing himself so uh, as terms of um experience with internships go it doesn't get much bigger doesn't get much higher doesn't get much more no not at all um it, it should be a cracking episode um and we won't waste anyone's time uh we'll just jump straight into it let's get going mate Christian Leyland, welcome to the Sporting Post. Seb, Mitch, thank you for having me. appreciate being here. Uh, we're very honoured to have uh, a man of your calibre on. For those that uh, might not know your name, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it? Oh, I'll be surprised if a lot of people know my name, so happy to introduce <laughs> uh, myself to all of your listeners. So essentially, I am the Chief of Staff of the Football Sack, which is um, one of the premier developmental places for young journalists in Australia. So uh, Seb will be able to tell you a bit about the football sack, but essentially we bring in talented uh, university students who work in media, journalism, communications. We send them through a structured program, and by the end of it, uh, they're ready to take on the industry. So we've been going for a few years now, and we currently have uh, 78 graduates, and they're people who've come through us and now work in the industry. Yeah, very nice. So can you tell us? I guess a little bit about what it was that prompted you to start um, the football sack. What what kind of gave you the inspiration behind this idea to, to get it up and running, I guess? Basically, I just wanted free tickets to the football. <laughs> so so the co-founder, Matt, uh, Matthew Greenlaw and myself, we went up to a Gold Coast United versus Brisbane Raw game back in 2009. So there's a flashback for you. And um, basically watching the game and we were making comments about the game and, and what we were seeing and why we thought things were happening. Anyway, we, we drove back home and we watched the replay on Fox Sports and everything that the commentators were saying were exactly what we were saying. And then we watched the post-match press conference and some of the analysis, not all of it, was what the coaches said were sort of critical parts of the match. So we thought, look, maybe we can we can do something here to express our thoughts and, and have a bit of fun at the same time. And, um, and we sort of just left it at that. So Matt lived in Sydney. I lived up near Byron Bay. But uh, a few months later, uh, we're chatting on Facebook Messenger and, and Matt said, Christian, are we going to start this website or not? And I said, the two words which started it all, I said, why not? And he said, well, when are we going to do it? And I said, if you don't do it right now, it'll never happen. So by that afternoon, we'd set up a domain, set up a, um, a website, we set up a bit of an idea of the thing. And, and the reality was it was, just, it was just a blog for two mates to express their thoughts about football. But it's, there was a big gap in sort of fan-led coverage back then because it was so early in you know, the A-League's existence that we, we hit this niche spot and we started getting lots of hits and all these A-League clubs sort of got behind us. And we thought, well, we need to take this and, and run this professionally. So we we spoke to all the other clubs. We got alien accreditation. We worked out how the industry actually worked. We started really fresh, 
And um, before you knew it, we were one of the premier football websites in Australia, which was for us, you know, we were 21, was was pretty incredible. We're getting huge. We got to interview Dwight York. Yeah, Dwight York, you know, two weeks after starting our website in person, we flew down to Sydney for it. So um, from there, we, we I was studying sports management at university. So I was putting everything I was learning straight to the football sack. Uh, Matt's a very talented man of many talents. And because we were at uni, we didn't have full-time jobs. This is the football sack for two years is basically our full-time job. And we, and we got it running. And, and then it became something that got us jobs in the industry. And we decided to keep it going. And rather than, you know, trying to get heaps of hits or trying to make lots of money from it, we said it got us jobs, so let's use it to get other people jobs so they can do what we did. Mm. So we started a structured program. Uh, we got contacts with every university in Australia, and, and now we run this program, which is highly successful and we're so proud of. Yeah, gotcha. Well, and um, look, you kind of glossed over the part of getting a business, like getting the publication off the ground. You made it sound like a very easy um, task, which I'm sure it's not. Can you run us through a bit of, um, you know, like, what were you thinking? How'd you, how'd you go about it? That, that sort of thing. It was a case of let's make this as professional as we can. So we said, let's just pretend we're professional and see if people take that at face value. <laughs> Make it till you make it. And, and the answer is they do. Well, they did. Um, yeah. I don't know if that still would still work. But so we made sure we did most things by the book. So everything in relation to A-League clubs, player interviews, um, accreditation, all that sort of stuff. We just did our research. We spoke to the people who were in charge of all these things and said, okay, what do we need to do to become legitimate? And then, then we just made sure we did them. Then we proved ourselves. And and then things like you know, you're looking at tax agents, you're looking at all that boring stuff as well and the legalities of, of having internships and student placements and all those sort of things. But it was, it was two things. It was having time and the desire to make this work and also the approach of you know, the worst thing anybody can say is no mm. you know we, we called up sydney fc and said can we have two free tickets to every home match so we can you know raffle them off as a competition every week and they said yes they said yes yeah we said can we have a one-on-one interview with dwight york when he's in australia to promote the everton game and dwight york's management said Yes. Like it was, it was, um, I could, I could give you a hundred different examples of things like that where we just said, okay, let's go in there with confidence, pretend we're, that we're, you know, veterans of the industry and, and see what happens. And then, you know, well, well, once you've been in there for six months, you know how it works and then you gain a reputation and then people look at your content, you gain respect and suddenly we were veterans of the industry. So, I mean, again, it sounds easier than it was, but it's just a case of, you know, every day just do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and, and then we, uh, well, we are where we are now. Yeah, that's fascinating. I thought you were setting this up to say, oh, no, they said no, and then, yes, like, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was expecting as well. Yeah, people very rarely said no. And um, I think, you know, football was desperate for coverage back then. Um, they were desperate for any any quality coverage. You know, we... We were cowboys in the way that we started the website and that we were fresh in the industry, but we weren't cowboys in the way we went about things. Mm. And so um, everything we churned out was, was close to quality or at least was heading towards it. And, um, yeah, very very soon we, we made our contacts industry and, and people supported us and some some people didn't support us, but but we had many more supporters than, than knockers. And, and then when you look at your article and you say, you know, you're a 21-year-old guy at university and you, you've just written this article and, you look at the hits and thousands of people have read it. You go, that's incredible. And that fills you with confidence to, to keep going and keep working. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, before we knew it, we just we just kept on going and we ended up where we were. Yeah. yeah, and I think 
um, just in general, that's something just to take away um, from the whole experience as well is that, like you said, the worst thing that anyone can say to you is no, and you don't really have much to lose. You know, like why not send that email out to Sydney FC? Like what's the worst, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I think that's something that we all need to kind of take away from this is that, yeah, at the end of the day, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah, interesting. Do you picture yourself as a confident person, Chris? Because obviously that, that sounds like a very confident trait that you've, you've got there, but how do you view it? Yeah, I do picture myself as a confident person, but there's a, there's a journalist called Aidan Ormond who uh, now I believe works in Asia, and we were talking to him one of the, a couple of weeks into our existence, and he said he said the key to breaking the industry is just looking like you, you belong here. And he told a story of how he went to AAC Athens um, because Nathan Burns, an Australian striker, was, was playing there at the time. And he didn't have any accreditation. He didn't have any tickets. But he walked up wearing his A-League accreditation. And he walked in. He goes, oh, oh, I'm an Australian journalist. I'm here to talk to Nathan Burns. And they went, no problem, on game day. They took him inside the stadium, took him inside the tunnel, put him on the pitch. He started taking photos, grabbed Nathan for an interview after the game and just said, you know, I had no rights to be there. But if you look like you belong, people will be okay with that. And so that little story meant, meant meant that I was okay with asking for everything. And, mm. and um, I mean, I, I think I am a confident person, but the fact that success came from it early on meant I, it became a habit, you know, and, and asking for things and you know, putting ideas out there became something that was successful, so I kept doing it. And obviously, um, there was times when people said no, but again, the yeses far outweighed the noes. Fantastic. I guess if we move on a little bit, to discussing sort of your internships and and the the kids that you get involved um with at the football sack when when you're going through the process of looking at various candidates what's the type of thing that you look for what is it potential what is it about a particular candidate that catches your eye it's interesting so there's there's quite a few different things and obviously it's not a cookie cutter approach not not everybody's the same but um if, if you have one of these things if you have knowledge about football if you have shown that you're willing to learn so you've done other internships or you have experience and placements elsewhere if your writing is already excellent or is close to excellent um, if you're you're very keen and you've shown why you're keen things like that uh, all things which catch the eye now Mm -hmm. very rarely everybody has all those things sometimes um, an applicant will only have one of those things but you can see they're working on others or does you feel that there is something in their writing which is not far off from, from the finished product. They've, they've got that potential there. Yeah, correct. So it's, again, this is the thing. So the, like the research generally shows that men will apply for things they're not qualified for because they go, oh, I'll learn it on the job. And, and women, they won't apply for things that they're overqualified for because they think, oh, I'm not quite ready yet. And and this is the thing, where just, just, just apply. Like it's... Um, the worst thing someone can say is no, and the same goes for applications. You know, if, if if there's something you want to be doing but you don't think you're quite ready, apply anyway because the worst I can say is no. And the best thing that can happen is that maybe they see something in you or maybe you just tick one or two of their criteria and that's enough for you to get an interview and then you can sell yourself in the interview. Like I said, nobody is a complete package when they apply for us, but the vast majority leave with the complete package. Mm. And that's what our program is about is developing you into being ready for for the industry and that's why you know our graduate success is is so high you know every year we bring in 10 to 14 interns and in the past five years we've averaged nine of them becoming graduates each year and when you say when you say graduates you mean getting a a full-time job out of the the program is that right correct correct yeah no well fantastic strike right like you must be pretty proud of that wouldn't you 
Of course. I mean, the the best phone calls I ever receive are when people halfway through the internship call me up and say, Christian, I'm really sorry, I have to leave the internship because I've just got a job with the NRL or the AFL or you know, the Manly Sea Eagles or Western Sydney Wanderers. You know, They're always nervous because they feel bad about leaving the program, but that's why we have the program. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's it really is a case of Matt and I use the football sector to get into the industry. And the best thing that we can use it for now is to help people you know, follow the same path. Yeah, fascinating. Um, just circling back for a sec, Christian, you've obviously received well, dozens, um, probably even hundreds of resumes over the last four or five years. There's um, there's always a little bit of uncertainty about the best way to structure it or the best things to put on. Um, so after all the ones you've looked at, what are, what's the best type of format? What's the best way to go about it, do you think? Uh, see, this is tough because it's very hard to predict what the recruiter is looking for. Mm. So for myself, yeah, just for yourself. I, I just want basics. I want your experience. I want examples of your work. Mm. That's really it. You know, fluff like uh, my interests outside of sport. Uh, okay, you're passionate about lawn mowing. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, like photos of yourself. Some people put them, some people don't. I'm, I'm not too fussed about that. It's um, we recruit on the basis of your talent. And so your experience and what you're capable of are the two most important things. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Again, now it doesn't work for everybody. Some people like all the all the flamboyant graphics and the uh, back in year three, I won the high achievement award. You know, the things like that, fine. But it's for me, it's it's who's going to be the best at the job right now or in the next 12 months. And for that, I need to see your experience and what you're studying yeah. and what you can actually produce. Yeah, that, that is a good takeaway because I do think um, a lot of people, I know, for myself, I was certainly only speak for myself, but I, I did kind of get caught up when I was uh, starting up my resume, you know, putting in all this fluff about what I did when I was 13 or 14 years old. And it's like that, that stuff's so far in the rear vision mirror. I think, I think what you say about keeping it here and now and keeping it to what you've experienced recently and what you're doing that relates to what you want to be doing in this internship um, is so important. Quality over content, yeah. I guess the next thing we kind of wanted to ask you is is what's next for the football sack? Where do you think you're going to take it? Um, are you planning on continuing it for the foreseeable future? Do you have any plans for it? What's going on? Well, in my in my vision, the football sack will exist when I retire. Yeah. So I, I want I believe we are the you know, number one place to come if you need to get yourself in industry or you want to get yourself in the industry. And it's not just because of our reputation. Now, you know, people look at football sack candidates and go, they know they've been through a good training program. But I believe that you come through us and you leave ready to go in the industry, and we develop you the right way. You know, you're not fetching coffees and making copies as we like to say um you're there in the coalface at press conferences in the press box at matches interviewing players talking to coaches you do, you've got deadlines you're doing everything that a full-time journalist is expected to do but just one day a week and that's enough to get you ready for your future and you get so much feedback you get uh, feedback from our editor from our sub editors from our social media manager from myself it's it's one of these ones where we're continually crafting you and it's it's not like university it's actually real world real feedback real expectations so um i think that we should keep going until you know the journalism industry doesn't exist anymore which i, I don't see it, i don't see that ever happening so yeah the, the big thing for us and the, and the big next step is that we want to start a scholarship now i've been saying this for a while but it's my, my long-term vision is is that we can start a scholarship so everyone can afford to do an internship because an internship itself is discriminatory so 
the only people who can afford to do internships are those who can actually afford to give away the time. Like if you're from a poor or disadvantaged situation or background and you can't afford to give up four hours every weekend to invest in yourself, and the reality is there's people out there who can't do that, then you can't afford to take on an internship. So we want to be able to eventually offer a position where even if it's just one per year, and maybe that can grow to eventually being everyone, where we go, okay, we're offering a football site scholarship. So if you're from a disadvantaged or poor situation, you can join us. We, we can pay you for your time during those weekends that you're at the matches. And that way, it's then open to everyone in Australia, not just those who can afford, afford to work for free. Um, now, is that viable right now for us to do? Possibly not, but is that viable for us in the future? We hope so. And and obviously with, with COVID affecting many organisations, it's also affected us and we had to make some cutbacks and things like that. But what's been really incredible is um, we've, we've received so many donations. So people believe in our program and they believe in the good it's doing. And um, so we've had a lot of donations from past graduates, people who've come through our program and want to see the program continue. And, and recently, we've seen lots of donations from members of the public, just readers and, and our followers who enjoy what we do, see the value in it, and, and they donate. And some people donate every month. Some people just donate once off. So um, the old adage, you know, the only worst you can say is no, is I, I ask your your listeners to go to thefootballsack.com and click on an article and there's a donation link. And even if it's just two bucks, it, it helps us keep going. And, and maybe in the future, you'll be part of our program or or maybe someone you know will be part of our program. But at the moment, that's keeping us going. And, and the more donations we can get that way, then the more uh, closer we are to to creating scholarships so everyone can afford to be um, part of our programs. Yeah. Oh, well, um, Chris, we're just about out of time, but thanks for that. That's a really interesting point. So I might actually just press you about the internships point you made. Um, is it viable that all across the industry that people in internships do get paid or receive some form form of remuneration? Because I've never thought about it like that. I, I'm not sure if you have, Mitch, but maybe you haven't, that internships are discriminatory and the fact that I'm privileged that I've got a part-time job that I can work an internship around, but other people aren't in that same position. Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's so tough because I mean, internships and student placements are very valuable in the industry. People need to go through them to, yeah. to transition from university to, 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 the, to real life, so to speak. I have no issues at all with internships as they are legally defined. The issue is that the vast majority of organisations abuse that and they turn interns into unpaid workers. And this is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. I can name you most most clubs and organisations in sports media do this. You know, rather than taking an in, it starts becoming an abusive relationship where once the intern has got everything they can in terms of value, in terms of education, experience and contacts, the organisation still keeps them on as free labour. And that is something that needs to change in the industry. And it's very, very slowly changing, you know, but um, it's it's still there. So that's something I'm an advocate about and, and I really, really hate seeing. Um, and that's why the football sack, we make sure that our, our internships, which are technically student placements, are fully legal, they're fully above board. And even then we're we're trying to get to a point where we can we can pay people, so uh, pay pay the pay the internships. So um, it's an industry issue in sport. I'm sure it's an industry issue in other in in other genres as well. But um, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, gotcha. Look, um, Chris, we might just run out of time there. We'll we'll leave it there. But um, for all our uni mates listening out, the football sack applications come out towards the end of the year. Am I right, Chris? It depends when the A-League season starts. So it normally comes out about two months before the A-League season starts. Uh, we don't know when that's going to be next year due to COVID. Yeah. But if you keep an eye on our website and our socials at around August, um, we'll have an update for you then. 
Yeah, obviously. And um, Julia Tolberg, at internship coordinator at My National, send out a um a big email as well. Look, Chris, we, we can't thank you enough for your time. Me and um, Mitch, you got a lot out of that. I'm sure Mitch enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got a lot out of it personally. Um, I'm sure you were the same, Seven. I'm sure anyone that's tuning in got a lot out of it as well. So uh, we can't thank you enough. Christian, thanks so much for your time, mate. No problem at all. And if anyone has any follow-up questions or, or wants any advice, you can hit me up on Twitter at, at Lales89 or um, just search for Christian Leyland on Google, L-A-Y-L-A-N-D, and I'm happy to uh, talk to anyone who has any questions. Well, there you go. This first. Haven't had any of our guests do that before. Um, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Jeez, so that, was, that was one hell of an interview, wasn't it, Seb? It's one of my favourites that we've ever done. To be honest, really insightful. Lot to take away from it. Uh, what, what what was your favourite part of that interview? Yeah, I think insightful is the to you, mate. To be honest, I think you're dead right there. Um, what I like is that it really ties back into a lot of the things that our guests have already said. His message of the worst anyone can say is no mm. is uh, it just ties back in so well. It's something we haven't heard about before, but it just ties in so well. I think, and that was the, my biggest takeaway. He just keeps putting himself out there, putting himself out there, and yeah. You, Oh, there were so many times in that interview where I thought he was setting us up to say, oh, no, and then they said no. And I was like, oh, I had a laugh. Yeah. And then he just said they had, they said yes. I said yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, the big takeaway is a lot of the time people were in this industry, they want to tell their stories and they want to be heard and they want to get themselves out there as much as we do. Um, so they're, they're, they're really keen to collaborate with journalists of, of any level of skill or of any stage in their career, if, if this journalist wants to come out and wants to tell their story, then mm. people are on board with that. Um, and I think yeah. we've said it a lot, but the worst anyone can say is no, right? And yeah. But most of the time, they're not even going to say no. And most of the time, they're going to say yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just think that, that that's what we need to take away from this is that if you want to be successful in this industry, then you have to suck it up, go out there, even if it's a bit nerve-wracking the first two, the first five, the first ten times, eventually you'll start getting into it. It won't be as nerve-wracking anymore. Make it till you make it. Yeah, that's it, 100%. Put yourself out there. Um, I think something else that's worth mentioning, Mitch, just before we uh, sign off. We didn't talk about it in the interview either, but I think Chris has got a lot of skills surrounding um, his marketing and making sure everything he does is mutually beneficial for both, yeah. for both himself and anything else that comes up. And I think that's... um. Certainly something to think about, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I suppose that's a big takeaway in terms of maximising the possibility of the person that you're, you're interacting with saying yes is to think about, okay, if I'm that person, yeah, what am I getting out of this? Okay, what, where's, where's the benefit for the person that you're interacting with? Why should they say yes? And if you can find that reason and it's a good reason, it's a strong reason, it's a reason that you would believe in if you were that person, then you've got a very good opportunity of, of getting on board, uh, of getting the, the other person on board. Uh, and I think that's really one way that you can really strengthen your opportunities um, and make the most of every opportunity that you present yourself with and every opportunity that you try and take to another person and get them to get on board with. 100%, mate. I think we'll leave it there. That was a cracker. Sounds good. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Mm-hmm.